all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. We are all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Authentic Points of View. I'm Danielle Boer, your host as always. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. Woohoo! I'm excited about this week's guest. She is so awesome. I saw her story, just like a tidbit of the story, <laughs> and am just like, wow, so impressed of how far she's come and how much she's accomplished and how awesome she is. And I cannot wait to talk to her. So Lady J is an author, a speaker, life, family, and bounce back mentor, a business coach, a media personality, and a serial entrepreneur, and much, much more. (laughs) There's so much. So welcome, Lady J, to the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're so awesome. And I can't wait to talk to you this is going to be awesome so uh unfortunately this i i hate to start off with this question because it's very intense question but i like to start off with the struggles that people have had and Mm -hmm. where they are now and how awesome and, and how much you accomplished so um this is a very warning this is a trigger warning for some people and i will put that at the beginning um but how old were you uh, when you were molested and then how did you get out of the situation or how long did it last or so uh first time i was sexually abused i was 11 
I was 11 years old. Um, it happened while I was at a friend's house. So um, each time that I was sexually abused, it was a different person. So that happened while I was staying at a friend's house um, overnight. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and I wasn't allowed to talk about it after that. And I was told that it was my fault. So yeah. Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm very sorry. And that's a horrible thing to um, have gone through. And the fact that I hope you know now, it's definitely not your fault. You know that now. Oh, it's definitely. Okay. (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) But are you allowed to say who told you that? Was it? So yeah, my my mother and the friend that she came with, they interrogated me um, and told me everything that I should have done and that I could have done. Um, Yeah. After the police were called. So, my friend's mother, she called the police um, before calling my mom, um, and a police report was filed. There were witnesses there, of course, of the whole entire incident, and he was never found, though, and it was never followed up on him. I never pursued it. Oh, wow. That, I don't know how to respond to that, because I'm trying not to cry. Uh, because that is horrible. And first of all, we're just talking about like five seconds of your story, apparently, you know, I'm saying like, and I'm already like, wow, I'm very sorry. So the other times that happened, then you probably, what do you do? I mean, you can't go to the person that's telling you that you can't talk about it. So what did you do with the other times? So the other times I was not with my my mother. The second time that it happened to me, I was raped by a schoolmate. Um, He had graduated. I was 15. He was 19. And she was told and asked me, did I want to, then she asked me, did I want to, you know, press charges? But the, the relationship at that time had been so tumultuous if you will because at that point um, me and my siblings were living in a household with a violent registered sex offender my mother is still married to him to this day um he is registered in three states so there was abuse going on in the home they're verbal sexual physical and yeah i think that uh, my her siblings were pressuring her to do that to do so and I just knew she wasn't going to go through with it and again once again it was my fault so uh, nothing ever came out of that and then at 16 uh, I was kidnapped and held against my will for hours and rape um, oh. I don't remember how I made it home I don't remember how I got out of the situation it's a black a complete black space so um, I remember everything that happened up until that point though and at that point, I was living with my cousin because at 15, I was homeless. My mother put me out of the house. So. Um, <laughs> wow. So, first of all, you are amazing. I don't, I didn't, even, we haven't even talked about anything that you have done now. And the fact that you didn't kill someone at your young age. <laughs> it's very impressive. And I'm so sorry because I can't even imagine being in that situation. 
that you are the innocent victim and you are being told those things and being so young and impressionable to, and then getting put out and having to live in that situation. I mean, that's just, wow. I'm so sorry that you went through that. I just can't, I'm really trying to hold it together and it's not even my situation. I really like feel for you and I'm so proud of the woman that you are. And we, again, haven't even talked about anything, but um, man, we'll get to that later. I was going to say, I'm actually glad that it all happened. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll tell you why later, but um, yeah, I mean, and really to really get a good understanding, I guess I can just give you a, a overview um, because people are going to be able to go get the book. So I, I have a, a book series out about my life story because it definitely had to be put into three parts. <laughs> but I, bet. I, have, oh <laughs> I have taken it down because it's been up since 2016, both the first two um, parts. I've taken it down because I am rebranding it and uh, it will be released here soon. So, but at four, so uh, first I was, I was born into a domestic violence household. I was born into a household with both parents who were on drugs and my father was alcoholic. And um, my father, unfortunately, still to this day, is a drug addict. He was clean for about six years. Um, and then, you know, uh, from the time I was about 30 to 36. But he's, you know, since then picked it back up. But... Um, with that being said, and now when I say domestic violence, I'm not talking about just yelling, you know, or hitting. I'm talking about I watched my mother go through a full glass door and her wrist cut up to the point where she was bleeding out. And to, I mean, just it was crazy, crazy. It was a war zone. And um, I was taught how to cook crack cocaine at, five, at four by my dad. Um, and at 11, I was molested at. 13, um, I lost the only father figure I knew. That was my grandfather, but he was sick for about eight years before he passed. So he had dementia and Alzheimer's. At 14, I was diagnosed with a severe case of endometriosis, and I was told I wouldn't be able to have children. Um, and that's when I tried to commit suicide for the first time by swallowing pills. At 14 and a half, I started becoming more angry, more depressed. I couldn't talk about the things that had happened and things that were happening. So I started uh, running away from home. Just tried telling people nobody would listen. Everybody, you know, said I was lying. Mom said you're rebellious. I, at that point, though, I had become uh, sort of a mother to my siblings. I was combing their hair, homework, protecting them, doing what my mother should have been doing. And so... You know, that became a a burden. I used school as an escape, though. It was like a world away from home. So I was a straight A student. I was in all the extracurricular activities. I was a very popular in school. So that was my escape. At 15, I was raped by some by a schoolmate, as I stated before. And then I tried to commit suicide two more times, once by stabbing myself in the stomach with using a steak knife and uh, the final time by drinking cleaning fluid, main green uh, household cleaning fluid. And then shortly after that, I was dropped at the children's bureau by my mother and was left there and was told that I was coming in between her and her husband, by the rich sex offender, and so she couldn't take care of me anymore. And she left me there. And 
my youngest sibling had such a fit um, that she came to get me after a couple of days and then she told me I had to leave. So I was too much of a problem. Um, so she put me out and I was homeless at 15. At that time, I, my cousin found me. She was only 21 at the time. She had a brand new baby. So I had to get a job to take care of myself, buy my own shoes, things I needed for school. At 15, I had my first job and I worked at Meyer. <laughs> and then, uh, I started, I started becoming more withdrawn. And so at 16, walking home from work one night, my cousin forgot to pick me up and I was kidnapped and raped. I got into a car with a man that had said that was, those were his daughters. I had never gotten into a car with a stranger. You know, he seemed like a very concerned parent. You know, it's too late for you to be walking out here by yourself. You know, I, I need to go drop my daughters off. I'll, I'll give you a ride home. That was not the case. So. Um, I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember how I made it home. Um, and then that was the night that the light inside of me just completely went out and I dropped out of every single thing in school. I, nobody noticed, <laughs> nobody said anything. So, you know, I, at that point I became addicted to the pills that I was on for the, for the endometriosis, the Vicodin. I was addicted to that and I became sex addict. So being abused over and over again and just wanting to feel something, take the pain away. Um, so I use sex and pills to cope. And at 17, I met uh, a young man. We started dating um, between the ages of about 17 to 20. My mom and my and her, her husband would call and, and leave messages and you know, message and say, you know, that I was good for nothing but to lay on my back. I would never be anything. Nobody would ever love me. I was a whore and so on and so forth. Um, since I was 15, I haven't had a relationship with my mother since then. Um, and it doesn't bother me. Um, from 19 to 23, that I was married and I had two kids and that was a domestic violence marriage. It was the most horrific thing, the worst thing ever. Every form of domestic life you could think of, I went through it. And I tried to commit suicide for the last time in front of my six month and one year old. I called somebody to go to come and get them so they wouldn't be left in the house with a dead mother. And I just couldn't take it. I had a complete psychotic break. And this time I was going to slit my wrist. That person showed up with the ambulance and the police just in the nick of time with the knife to when I had the knife to my wrist and I spent 24 hours in the site floor at Wisher hospital here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was at that moment where I had a conversation with God and it was like, you keep trying this and I keep telling you, no. So what are you going to do? Because <laughs> it is not your time and I have work for you. And then the question was, well, do you really want to leave your children here to go through the same things that you did? It was at that moment that I realized that I was going to have to be a curse breaker because a lot of this ran in my family. So my children became my motivation to get help and heal and live. 
So I knew of God because my grandmother always taught me about him. I just didn't know him for myself. I didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with him. And that is what started my journey of healing, my long journey <laughs> of healing. Um, and I started a 12-step program uh, at a church for, for um, sexual abuse survivors. And so uh, that happened when I was 22. At 24, I entered into another domestic violence relationship. So now I'm repeating a cycle, but it's taken me a minute to get it. And my the person that I was in a relationship with tried to kill me in our unborn child twice. And then at 25, I entered into yet another domestic violence relationship. And that became really, you know, violent. We were married and then I ended up losing everything. I was homeless with my children about three times in my, yeah, since I've been an adult. Three times, um, I slept in my car, hotels, went from house to house. I even prostituted myself so that we could have a place to sleep. So, um, yeah, so I went through another divorce. I lost everything. Um, And it was at that point at 30 years old where I really, really tried to, well, I did. I took the next step in going through the healing process, but this time, not just like going through a program and then, oh, I'm fine, you know. So I realized that it was a lifestyle for me. It was going to have to be lifestyle for me. So I had years of trauma and it couldn't be fixed in just like a few weeks. So I started that journey and I started to accept those that got placed in my life to help me along the way. Um, because I was very prideful. I didn't want help. Um, everybody that was supposed to love me, that was supposed to care about me, that was supposed to, you know, guide me and things that sort of, they didn't do that. So I was not a very trusting person. And so, um, fast forward, I'm, I met someone, uh, about five years ago and we got into a relationship. That turned out not to be what it was supposed to be. We were together four and a half years within that time frame. I, of course, I definitely have overcome everything. I forgave my mom, my dad, um, even though I have a relationship with my mother or my siblings. Um, I had to learn how to love them from a distance. My dad, I do have a relationship with, and I just have to accept him for who he is. He's not your average dad, if you will. So he's a functioning, he's a functioning addict, but. Um, I now have a child that has cryptogenic epilepsy. So I'm a mother of a special needs child and I suffered a ruptured brain aneurysm in August of 29, August 22nd, 2019. And I, they were literally making funeral arrangements that I was not, um, expected to live. Most people don't, especially since my had been bleeding out for quite some time on when it ruptured and it has been an ongoing battle with uh, recovery. It took me 19 months to uh, recover. I've been hospitalized a couple of times since then, every year, actually, since then. So I had to grieve the old me and accept the new me and all of the limitations and disabilities that come with it. <laughs> and so that's what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, outside of that, I mean, I have, uh, there have, been many blessings along the way and I've been able to accomplish a lot. Um, you know, 
I worked really, really hard to take care of my children um, because I was a single parent and still am. But um, my kids, fathers, my ex-husbands, they help now. So um, from ha- holding a degree in business management to psychology to owning a nonprofit that serves the homeless people and families in need to um, Eagle Entertainment, which is a, multi- a big multimedia company that consists of radio, TV, magazine, management, news, and events, as well as Dow Psychology, which is a mentoring program and apparel line and life support company. And that's where my books and speaking um, is conducted. Uh, that company is what that is. Um, that company is the umbrella that I do my speaking under in my books, things of that sort. So, um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's definitely been a journey. Woo. Okay. Yes. <laughs> my goodness. Okay. Wow. So I always say this, my show, I always say, and it's part of my intro, um, that I'm going to put back on, but it says like, um, you, darn, um, it's a rap. So I have to literally think of my own rap that I wrote. Okay. But, um, uh, darn. Okay. It says a lot of things, but it says basically like, you never know what somebody's going through just because they look happy doesn't make it true. And then it says, like, hopefully you, this podcast will help you see you're not alone. You at least have got me. But the ending is, um, don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. And I wrote that because my brother committed suicide. And also because it, you look at it both ways. If you quit life, right? Mm-hmm. Look at all the times you tried. And like you said, God was like, not, not for you. Uh, you have a purpose. <laughs> Right. And I have goosebumps because you definitely have a purpose. And um, but it also means like don't quit in opportunities as well. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's something that's meant for you, don't don't give up. But it has a double meaning. Um I'm a nurse and the fact that all those things didn't take you out is mm-hmm. miracles, right? So swallowing swallowing chemicals Mm -hmm. wow like number one that like we're on fire oh my gosh okay so could have died from that definitely i'm not going to say you should have died because you shouldn't have died i'm glad you didn't die but i'm just saying people have died from that Mm -hmm. stabbing in the stomach right um aneurysm oh my goodness uh unfortunately my son lost his teacher to an aneurysm and uh it was very hard for all the students and she was amazing so yeah like lots of people you know and again i'm a nurse or if people do survive they're not talking to me right now right you know usually so i'm trying to think you said so many things that like i'm literally shaking on think putting myself in your shoes and thinking about the things that you went through and I don't know how I would respond in those situations right we we can say oh I would have done this like people told you you should have done this no nobody can tell anyone how they should mm-hmm. react until you're in that situation you have Absolutely. no clue Absolutely. you have no clue right 
until mm-hmm. you're faced with what you were going through, being kidnapped for goodness sake. How scary is that? All the things that you've been through yeah. are so That's scary. Terrifying. And being, I've been in, I, I talk about things I have in common with people, but it, this is not a good thing that we have in common. I've been in domestic violence, you know, situations too, but the worst things that been to me, I mean, he bit me. What's one of my jokes. I do stand up comedy. One of my jokes is that he bit me and it's on my hand uh, and um stuff like that. Like he was abusive. I mean, he would, you know, like rip my shirt off so I couldn't leave the house. Like, you know, I mean, like stab my tire. He literally cut the tire and then like changed the tire and took it to go sell crap, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, but I mean, physically the worst that happened to me wasn't as bad as some people. It's still bad and mentally it's bad. So I understand that aspect of, you start to believe things when people tell you you're worthless, you're this, you're that, Like that's how I was. People say, why didn't you leave when, when you, and it says it takes 21 days to make a habit supposedly. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. So if you're told every single day, you're fat, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're a piece of trash. You ain't going to do, you know, you're not, Mm -hmm. you're never going to accomplish anything. Like you've been told, like I've been told you start to believe it. You don't mm-hmm. see the person that you are in the mirror. You see the person that they're telling you that you are. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand me. So many people have like asked and they've said, you know, this person's in a domestic uh, abuse situation and it doesn't make any sense. And no, you know, to you, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't make sense. And you want to get out. Nobody wants to be in that situation. Nobody's like, this is so much fun. Let me just stay here. And I was scared to go home. He beat me so bad one time that I had marks on me, a welt, like for two weeks. And uh-huh. it's embarrassing. It hurts to sit down. Your kids see it. My kids were small at the time. And, you know, and so, I mean, I, 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 I can feel you when you were talking. I'm like, oh, because I understand that part. But, you know, I've been homeless. I lived in a shelter, though. I wasn't out on the street. I was very blessed with that. Lived in a homeless shelter for women. And I had my son while I was there, like my, I was pregnant with my second son and I had him while I lived at the shelter. And I made friends with a lot of amazing women that have been through a lot of horrible things as well. So I, I admire like, wow, you're just so strong. And I'm thank, thank God that God spared your life several times, many, many times because you are so important. And your story is so important and, and so many people need to hear it when they're in the situation. And that's why I do the show. I love the show because I talk to everybody. Like that's why it's called authentic points of view, whatever somebody's mm-hmm. going through what you're going through, right? What we've been through, somebody's going through it right now. And hopefully we can help them. Especially your story is just amazing. And, um, you just touched on so many things. I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I'm, I'm just, again, I'm so proud of you. Um, and the aneurysm thing, it's so scary. And 18 months to recover, that's really great. You did really great. I mean, I'm so, like, you are so strong-willed. 100%. Everybody listen to me. I've seen people recover from things. That is very fast. I know it doesn't feel fast to you because yeah. you're going through <laughs> it and you could, you know, it doesn't. It feels mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, it's been a lifetime of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had, um, not the same thing 
but I've had stroke symptoms several times and I've been in the ICU. I've been life lighted and everything. And they say, well, it's not the same because it was not, not an aneurysm, but I've had where I couldn't move anything or feel anything on my right side. Um, I couldn't walk all those things. And it's a horrible feeling. And I can't imagine going through it that long. Mine was like 10 days. And I couldn't say, I just talked about it earlier, actually. I couldn't say the word paper for the longest time. I couldn't say certain words. And it was so frustrating when you're young, you know, and you feel like, and I was a nurse too. So like, I didn't want to be the patient. <laughs> I wanted to help people. You know? Like, this is not my part. I don't want to do this. And, and then literally at the rehab center, they let me um help people. It was really awesome. But anyway, so I digress. See, I talk about myself. Um, Now, how old was your child? Which child has epilepsy? The youngest one? No, my third child. She's the second to the last child. She's okay. 14. 14. Okay. That's and yeah, and yeah, she started having it while I was during recovery. So it was very oh. difficult. Yeah. Um, she was having five or six seizures a day, every day. It was very bad early on. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So how when I say, <laughs> it seems like, you know, I ask God, I see like, I always feel like a cross between Job and Moses. Moses, because, um, I tell people all the time that a lot of us, everyone here has a purpose in life, but right. some of us are meant to do greater than others. And some of us don't have a choice. Moses didn't have a choice. He tried to have every excuse in the book. He picked somebody else. He was like, nope, either you go, listen, you're going to do this one way or the other. You can go kicking a scream or you, you can go, you know, here, uh, <laughs> you can go and just say yes, you know what I'm saying? Do it the easy way. And, uh, and then Job, of course, we know he lost everything he had. I mean, everything except his life. And I have been there and I, find myself um because i'll say in 2015 when i first told my story i wrote i wrote it in 20 in 2010 i wrote both the first two books in 2010 and i didn't release them to 2015 because i was so terrified to just put everything out there but god was telling me you have to be i'm calling to a level of transparency that most wouldn't dare so um, in my story, I, I go into detail. I mean, explicit detail. So I would definitely caution people if you're going to have your kids or teens reading it to please, you know, um, just forewarning. I do go into explicit details and, um, because I think it's important for people to understand to, to, for them to stand in my shoes, just close your eyes and stand in my shoes and understand what it took for me to get to where I am. Cause a lot of people look at me and, and think, Oh, Lady J is so, you know, amazing and wonderful. You have no idea. You have no idea. And then the things that I'm still going through is never something small. You know, it's always gotta be this over the top grand, you know, uh, issue. And I'm like, well, you know, when God has extraordinary blessings, you're going to go through extraordinary things and when he has an extraordinary assignment. So I've, I mean, I've mentored and spoken to hundreds and hundreds of young people. I mean, job corps and after school programs and juvenile detention centers and so on and so forth and even adults. And so I realized that everything I went through was for the assignment and the people that I'm assigned to. And then when it comes to the media part, it's a way for me to help people on a grander scale 
um, across the world. So, um, and to help other people get their message out, um, and even provide some entertainment along the way. Cause I mean, we know laughter is good for the soul and, yeah. you know, it's time, it's good to decompress sometimes. So, um, so yeah, I think that it is, it was necessary because when you think about it, I tell people all the time, who was going to help those who were in that situation if they don't encounter someone who's already been there? How will they know that it, there's another side that you can actually come out of it? So I'm that living, breathing example. Yeah, I say that all the time, uh, too, because it's like when you're in the situation, there's like it feels like there's no way out. And Absolutely. so, so for, for you to share your, your, just how you, wow, like you're trying, like, like, look at me and it's not to be braggy. It's not to be like, oh, uh, you know, I'm so awesome. No, you are mm -hmm. awesome, but it's to show that I've been through 6,000 things that would have took somebody out. Probably Absolutely. more. Probably mm -hmm. more, Lady Day. I don't know. Probably more than six thousand. Yeah, I, I, I can only give a summary. We'll be here for. That's a week right. right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, exactly. So you've been that's through. Not so I'm just giving you the meat. That's it. <laughs> You're like there's potato. There's all kinds of stuff. But yeah. so yeah. So you you're just touching the surface. But that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. You've been through like six thousand plus more things, and that would have took somebody out. Two of those things. If they went through just two, but it took somebody out. So the, it's important to share your story. And that's why I want to, I actually want to start, um, um, stuff for homeless people too, because in teens and stuff like that, because I was a young homeless, you know, pregnant mom. So I want to do the same thing. And that's why I talk to people too. And like, that's why I want to start speaking about, um, like the effect of suicide on families too, because right. un unfortunately I haven't not ever said this, everybody, but everybody's probably curious. I talk about somebody important to me that committed suicide. I just said it was my brother for the first time right now mm -hmm. today. I never talk about it, who it was. Um, but my mom physically was there and she called me to stop him from doing it. So I was on the phone. When, um, when he took his life. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot. I almost quit nursing school and everything and just stopped being myself for a while. So mm -hmm. getting through traumatic things, it, you, mm -hmm. you have to help someone. You have to talk about it because mm -hmm. I feel like that's our purpose and our duty is to show, look, you're going to be okay. It's never going to go away. You're never going to forget about those things. You're, you're not, but you're never going to forget about the pain that you felt through when you're, when you got kidnapped or when you got raped, unfortunately, all those things that happened to you when you got betrayed by your family, when they didn't trust you, when they, um, they didn't believe you, when you couldn't trust them, those things don't go away. But Absolutely. you, when you can say, stand up there proud and strong and say, look, look at all the things that I've done. You could do the same thing. It's a sense of like, you get a sense of joy. And, mm -hmm. and those, like you said, those things happen on, I don't want to say, but they, things happen to you for a reason. So mm -hmm. like you said, and we meet people on purpose, like everybody's put in our path on purpose. 
Absolutely. And, um, and I'm, it's beautiful for me to talk to you because, um, September is, uh, suicide awareness month. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I've never ever spoke about the story with my brother. I do not talk about it. Um, and it was out of respect of my parents. Um, mm-hmm. and he has a daughter that's now turning 16, actually in a few days. And so mm-hmm. it was respect of them, but my mom was like, okay. So I taught, I said it. So it feels weird to say it out loud, but, um, hopefully mm-hmm. you, somebody that's listening, this helps you, uh, because you can get through it and the darkness, the clouds and the sunshine comes, it will come, you know, right. the darkness does not stay forever. And mm-hmm. anyway, speaking of stuff, we're going to talk about some really awesome things that you're doing. Which mm-hmm. you mentioned a lot. Now, your title, the Bounce Back Queen, is amazing. I love names. That's so physical. That's so cool. Yes, and, uh, a lot of my friends dubbed me that. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yes. Yeah, like, girl, every time, it's like every time we look up, you bounce back from something. Like, and you don't just bounce back, like, you catapult yourself to a whole n- new level. <laughs> Well, it's not me doing it. I'm telling you that right now. Because <laughs> if I had anything to do with it, none of the stuff would ever have ever happened. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. So you talked about the life support is like the main brand, and then mm-hmm. what exactly is the bounce backology part of it? Like, what is that? So that was something that God gave me while I was in recovery. They kept saying, you're the bounce back queen. You're the bounce back queen. You're the queen of bounce back. Like, you know, um, and I teach people, I have been teaching people through the life support, uh, program that you can, you know, come back or bounce back from anything. And then God put that in my spirit, you know, just like psychology. I love psychology because I like to, I like to dissect how people, how people deal with things, you know, um, how, why some people internalize things and some people don't. Why are 90% of people product of their environment and there's only a few percent that become an exception? So, and unfortunately in psychology, I've learned that it's a bunch of theory based off of some tests and those, the, the treatments that they come up with are designed for people to cope to have some good coping skills and to learn how to coexist with their issues and symptoms. Well, God gave me a <laughs> front row seat <laughs> to learning how to completely overcome and be liberated from that. The last time I ever even thought about suicide was at 22 when I tried to commit suicide in front of my six month old and one year old. So it is possible. Um, do I get discouraged every now and again? Heck yeah, everybody does. We're human. Those are millions. Do I get depressed a little bit? Yeah, I was depressed when I had the brain aneurysm because now I can't do everything that I want to do. There are a lot of things that, you know, um, that I wish I, I could sit in here right now with you sitting in the light without my sunglasses on. Um, just because I have to wear them 95% of the time. I, am I in a little pain? Yeah. But, and I'll probably put them on. Put them on. Put them on. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, pain. you know, you know, um, those things are, are going to happen throughout life. But, um, bounce backology was birthed out of me, um, about, uh, out of me, 
um, reading the scripture and reminding, being reminded first Peter five and 10, that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you according to his purpose, will strengthen, establish and settle you. And so I'm like, well, man, how many times do you have to restore me? Why do I have to keep? And then I have had to stop asking that and start asking, well, why not me? Like you've already told me what what I was here for, what my purpose is. And sometimes it can be scary when you're meant to do great things, you know, um, and you're meant to touch many lives. And so and that has transcended for me, not just into my over into my personal life, but throughout business, you'd be surprised at how many people just call to ask for prayer or how many people just, you know, are always calling to ask um, for certain resources or can you teach me and can you, you know, and so I don't take that lightly um, because I know what it's like not to have someone care, not to have that love, not to have that relationship or family so when you build relationships with people and you are someone who is deprived of love and deprived of care and things those are things that you cherish and you understand that people are <clears throat> people are the most important thing in the world you know and everybody just wants to know that they're being heard that they're thought about that they're cared for and that they're loved and so god put me on assignment because i am the living breathing example of his love for us then i am to love on others i don't ever want someone to feel like i felt you know, and so that is why I do what I do. So that's where Bounce Backology is. So now I took that program out of life support and it became its own entity. And then I added the apparel line because everything in the line and it'll be coming out soon. Everything is already laid out. Um, but, uh, the apparel line is all about um, building confidence, affirmation. You know, while you're interested in reminding yourself about how amazing you are, how far you've come. That's what the line is all about. Reminding yourself that you can be a bounce backologist, too. And that just means you have mastered the ability to exercise resilience on repeat. So I love that. Yeah. You need to trademark that. <laughs> the, oh, the, re- no, the resilience. You know, the resilience on repeat, that part. Like, it's, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, that was, yeah. that was a bar, everybody. Bars. No. <laughs> My I goal like- was actually to, um, so I just, uh, at the end of last year, I decided to go ahead and finish my master's. I only had seven classes left before I had the aneurysm. I was so terrified to go back because my Aww. short memory is not what it used to be. I can't sit at a computer for that long. Any overstimulation or critical thinking, it is, it is painful. Let me just say. So I um, and then I have to be careful because the aneurysm is still in my head. It's just cooled off, and so I'm at high risk for a lot of different things. So I decided I would go back. Like God help me. <laughs> they have, and luckily they have, you know, services for people with disabilities. And so I don't know that I'll be able to go into my doctorate. I don't know because the master's program is proving to be a little more challenging than I thought it would be, but I'm still maintaining my A and my high GPA average. So I wanted to introduce Delphiology as the form, as a, uh, not a field of psychology, but a field within itself that transcends that. Because again, it is possible for people to be completely healed of those things. Because if you think about it, suicide, depression, all those things are symptoms. They are not the root of, right. you know, of, of the issue. So my, 
I, I like to do the dirty work. We get down to the root of the issue and I do it in a very out of the box type way. There is interactive activities, there's demonstrations and they love it and they get in- incentives to continue to motivate them to keep going, to keep doing the work, no matter how hard it is. It's beautiful. And thank you again for doing that. Uh, I, You're so important and it's a blessing to everybody that you're helping. And you, you're just like kick butt awesome. So, how many degrees do you have now? Three, four? No. I had two degrees. I'm working on my third. I am also a certified tailor and PSA. So that's a patient service assistant. Um, yeah. So, um, right now I am finishing my third degree, master's in psychology. Well, sounds like you just need to add 12 more things to your busy <laughs> schedule. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I know people always said to me, how do you do all that stuff? I'm like, I don't know. You just do <laughs> You just keep going, right? You're like, dun, 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 you truck along. Um, so what events have you covered and what celebrities have you interviewed? And that's the ego. Is that that? Ego Entertainment have- Network. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oh boy. I mean, a lot. So let's see here. Um, <laughs> so I have done the Oscars, the Stellars, the Gospel Choice Music Awards, the Kingdom Image Awards. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, so I, um, we didn't get to go and cover, we, we did get credentials, but we didn't get to go and cover the rock and roll. Um, was it the rock and roll hall of fame? Um, in Ohio. Uh, where they induct uh, like rappers and things of that sort into the Hall of Fame in Ohio. I, I think it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I forget. Um, but um, let's see what else I have. Oh, we cover also community events. So we host red carpets. We coordinate and host red carpets as well. Celebrity meet and greets. So I've worked with and interviewed people like Leandria Johnson, Marvin Sack, Claudia Jordan, Brian White, um, Bernadette Stannis, Cheryl Underwood. Uh, Michael Collier, uh, Patty Spittler, that she's an Emmy Award winning, um, news anchor. Um, let's see, Mr. Talkbox. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's so many. <laughs> the list goes on. It's very long. It's so <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, we, did you mention No Limits Ministry, Inc.? Did we mention that one? I don't know. There's so many. Yeah, so that's my nonprofit. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk about, like, if you want, we'll put, like, if you want a link so people can donate to your nonprofit or whatever, we'll add all that stuff. That way, um, if anybody would love to help or is in your area and wants to be a part, I don't know how it works, but if, you know, then they could reach out to you. So what advice do you have um, for someone who is in that state that's contemplating suicide? So I would say, one, remember that pain is inevitable. All right. Pain is pain in this life is inevitable, but suicide is 100 percent preventable. Um, <clears throat> you have to allow yourself to be resuscitated. And what I mean by that is align yourself with someone who can identify with where you are um, and with what you're going through. 
in AA, drug addicts and alcoholics, they get paired up with a sponsor. And I tell people all the time, the one thing I don't like about about the mental health industry is that we don't value people enough to where we will actually partner them with someone who has been through what they've been through that can identify with them. A lot of times you sit down with a therapist or a psychologist and they have no clue because they've never been there. They're only able to tell you and share with you something they read in a book and learned in school. They are necessary, but they only are effective when they are a part of a holistic program and when that person has done the work of identifying the root, addressing the root, and then taking the next steps to extract the root. Then that's when a psychologist and or therapist comes in. And that's that that is for people who don't have chemical imbalances and things of that sort, you know, um in their brains that where they would need medication and things of that sort. Um, so allow yourself to be resuscitated, breathe and let your goals and dreams be the motivation for you to not die right where you are. So, like I said, my children were that for me. Um, and then you have to move into the phase of operation. And so you have to do the work. You cannot put a bandaid over a bullet wound. It does not work. You will, con- the infection will continue to spread. Eventually you'll die. You know, some people have, you know, they're walking around dead internally. So you have to do the work. You have to fight, fight for your freedom, your joy, peace, healing, restoration, family, marriage, whatever, (laughs) whatever it is. Then you reflect on your steps along your journey um, and take a moment to take in how far you've come. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to relapse in some areas. But that's okay. Every time you get knocked down, you get back up. That's what I did every single time. I I wasn't, I didn't, you know, it seems like you take 10 steps forward and get knocked back 20 steps. That's okay. Get up again and do it again until until you get it. Um, then release so you can continue to build and or grow. So you can continue to build and grow or rebuild your confidence, your strength, your life, walk in your purpose and your identity. If you don't know who you are, you can't, uh, you can't identify who, who you are until you've addressed the root. So for a lot of people, the root of an issue is usually tied to an individual and an experience. Nine times out of 10, identify who those people are, or who that person is and what that, <clears throat> and it may be more than one and what the experience is. Once you do that, then you can be honest with yourself in understanding why you are the way you are, why you behave the way you are, why you feel like you feel. And then you can begin to address that. Until you've done those things, you cannot move forward. <clears throat> and you have to forgive. And sometimes a lot of us have to forgive ourselves. Sometimes it's you that you have to forgive. And um once you've done that, then you can begin to, you know, identify who you are, walk in your purpose and own it. You gotta own all of it, the good, the bad ugly, the indifferent. And that's how you bounce back. And you have to understand that everything that you go through in life is not for you. So I tell people all the time not to internalize it so much asking, okay, why is this happening to me? And, uh, you know, watching everybody else's lives and thinking that they have it this like this, you know, and you have no clue. It's just that your stuff may be, may be out there and theirs aren't. That's it. Um, 
everything that you go through is not for you. It is for you to gain some tools and some knowledge that you're going to have to share along the way because you're going to run into people that are going through the very thing that you've already been through. So it prepares you to help somebody else that will walk a similar journey and you'll be required to pass on that wisdom and knowledge and those lessons and strategies that you acquired while fighting so that you can help them do the same. Um, and then remember that there are some things in life that may not be good to you, but that doesn't mean it's not good for you. So everything in life that happens is necessary. And I mean, everything, it all works together for our good. Um, you know, uh, and though it didn't feel good or look good when I was in it, it was necessary for all the many lives that I've already come across and the people that I've helped and those who I, that I will help and same for you. So just understand that, um, your situation is temporary. Um, it's temporary. Do not make a final decision based off of a temporary situation. Pain does not last always. You are, you will keep yourself in a, in a state longer than you have to be. If you dwell on where you are versus focusing on where you're trying to go. Wow. That was amazing advice. And you're so awesome. I keep saying that. Uh, I want to ask you a personal question really, really quick. And then um, mm -hmm. you'll tell everybody where we can find you. Can mm -hmm. I ask you just a question? Because it's this selfish question. And because I was in the situation, but I was far away, they were in Baltimore area. I was in Ohio at that point. And mm -hmm. um, to me, my brother sounded didn't sound like himself. And he wasn't in the right, he wouldn't respond to what I was saying. It was like he just kept repeating the same thing over and over again. Do you feel like in your situations, were you in a state of mind where you knew what was going on? Or were you just focused on the situation that you just, it was so bad you just wanted to end your life? Or were you in the right state of mind? The first three times, I knew exactly what I was doing. I was in the... Well, technically, I wasn't in the right state of mind. I was trying to kill myself. But anybody that gets to that point, they just right. really feel that there is no hope. But the last time when my children were present, it was like I was having an out-of-body experience. So I, I had been crying for hours. I think my, I've had, like, crying bags under my eyes. And my children were screaming. I could hear them screaming. I mean, they were, like, probably, like, 10 feet away from me. But they were, it felt, it was like, they were blurry and it was like they were far away, but they were really close. So I had, I knew that something was different, but I was literally standing on the outside of myself watching me. It, that's how it, that's how it felt. Um, and in that moment, I really didn't snap out of it until, I don't know, hours after I was, they had me strapped to the hospital bed. I just, it was almost like I was floating. I was numb. I was completely numb. And so I, I can, I'll say that's probably what your brother was feeling. And unfortunately, this is why it's very dangerous not to address trauma. Because when you keep, when you don't address trauma, a lot of times 
unknowingly, we put ourselves in more trauma. And so now you're piling on trauma on top of trauma. I had no business being with the person that I was with, but I couldn't see those red flags because I was so worried about finding what I needed in somebody else, not understanding nobody else could give me what I needed. I had to do the work and it was, you know, within me. And when you do that, um, and that trauma gets to be so, so bad, it can get to that point where you are, you have a psychotic break, you have an emotional breakdown, you have a mental breakdown, and that's a very dangerous place to be. So um, I I had someone that was very close to me uh, commit suicide, and that's why me and a couple other women started the I Survive Suicide movement um, last year. And so I know what it's like to lose somebody that you love to that. Um, and sometimes you're angry, you know, with them, you're, it, it still hurts. It's hard for me to talk about, about it too. But, um, when it comes to her and then just thinking about my own, uh, my own story, when you think back to how you felt and the things that were going through your mind, um, and then how it affects those people that that love you like you, you know, you love your brother. It affects those people. And suicide is a, it is a very selfish thing. You know, um, for those that are contemplating suicide, it is very selfish. You have, you, even though you may not feel loved, especially for those who have children, you have to think about your children, you know what I'm saying? Your mother, your father. And while my mother and father was not present, I still had people that got placed in my life that filled those roles for me later on in life. So um, understand that, you know, what you're going through is not as bad as you think. It's not, it's, it's not, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not. Um, and I think, and that's why affirmations are so important because those negative things that were spoken into me, I had to um, extract those things and then start speaking into myself and surrounding myself with other people that would speak positive things into me because I carried that for a very long time. I believe that about myself. Thank you. You helped me a lot. Thank you. No problem. Sorry. So <laughs> no, you're fine. Take your time. It is a, it is a very, very real thing that a lot of people will not talk about. And a lot of people don't like sharing. And let me just say, um, sometimes just talking, get with a group, a support group or a program where you can just express how you're feeling. You can talk to other people that will share their experience and give you some tools, some practical steps. And that's what Bounce Backology does. It actually walks you through step by step how to deal with A, B, C, D to get to the next point. And the good thing is you can pick and choose from different people. You may pick a little bit of what Danielle did and a little bit what Lady J did a little bit. Of, and then you can put that together and make your own plan for yourself because not everything is cookie cutter because everybody is different, you know? So um, get with somebody that can identify with where you are and don't be afraid to talk about it because it is such a quote unquote taboo topic. We only like to talk about the surface. Nobody is out here talking about, well, I tried to commit suicide and I did it because, you know, um, and this is how I got over it. But we need more people to speak up about that because people are committing suicide at very young ages now. Right. The children shouldn't know anything about killing themselves. Right. And we as parents have to do better to it, validating our children and speaking into them um, and guiding them and understanding um, 
the importance of being bold in who you are and not internalizing what other people think or say about you because that ain't none of your business what other people think about you. That's a personal problem <laughs> for them. So, yeah. You're so awesome. Thank you. So where can we find you? Uh, so I have a lot of different social media pages, man. Okay. Between all the businesses and my personal page. So let me just say, if you go to ladyj.co, that's L-A-D-Y-J dot C-O, that will connect you to everything. My social media, it'll connect you to Ego Entertainment, it'll connect you to Business Bangers, it'll connect you to Life Support. Um, it, it connects you to everything. Um, if you want to follow my personal page, uh, well, my public figure pages on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Lady J Brand, on Instagram at Lady J dot co, the same as my website, L A D Y J dot co, and on LinkedIn at Lady J as well. Um, I'm not really on Twitter. I be, I try to do Twitter, but. I don't know on Twitter like that. <laughs> but if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. Because sometimes I just share my Instagram posts on there. So that's uh, JaQ underscore one. That's J-A-Q-U underscore in the number one. Um, so, yeah, that's how you connect with me. Awesome. And then will your uh, apparel be attached to the LadyJ.co when it got started? It, it's going to be on BounceBackology.com. Okay. So, um, bouncebackology.com can actually go and subscribe. Make sure you all go subscribe to Ego Entertainment Network too. You can subscribe to ladyj.co as well. Um, like I said, you can get to those websites and all of the social media pages connected to those businesses, those companies from my page. Cause of my, my, um, I mean, from my website. So my personal website will connect you to those websites where you can also go and click on the social media and, um, and follow, like share. We do, fo- I do follow back. So. All right. Well, Lady J, you are such an inspiration. I thank you so much for sharing your amazing story. And I'm thankful to God that he allowed you to get through all those things that you've been through to talk to us and to help so many people, including myself. (laughs) You really, you really helped me um, get some closure on the situation, to be honest. And, um, so I'm very, very grateful to you and we'll keep in touch. And I'm so excited. I want to see you when you come to Atlanta also. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. I do want to leave something with everyone. Um, I always end everything with this. (laughs) So, um, after all of the hell you went through, the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too. New adversity will come, but overcoming it has already made you unstoppable. The favor over your life incomparable, which gives you the right to think and believe I'm possible. So on the bounce back throne of life, take your seat because you have exercised resilience on repeat. Welcome to the level of bounce backology. Woohoo! I love that. You're so awesome. You're such a good writer, by the way. <laughs> so thank you so much again. And that was amazing. I love that. And I cannot wait to uh, buy some of your apparel because I 100% will. And <laughs> I'm so excited for all that you're doing. Um, I don't know how you're accomplishing it all. It has to be God, like you said, because that's a lot of well, stuff. <laughs> and, 
thank you again so much for taking the time out to talk to me. And I know you have a busy, busy schedule. And it means so much to me that you spoke to today. So we will keep in touch and you have a fantastic day. And I'll talk to you again. Bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So uh, that was, <laughs> that was an amazing episode. Lady J is amazing. Wow. To be young and to have gone through all that and to be so resilient and so strong, I'm just really proud of everything that she has accomplished. It's so amazing. I'm so glad that she shared it with us. Sorry I cried, everybody. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I knew I was going to. So if you've listened to other episodes, now you know what I was talking about all the other episodes. So I talk about somebody important to me, committed suicide and all this stuff. And so people really could have guessed because I said I've known them their whole life. And so I was older than him. He was younger by only 14 and a half months, I think. Something like that. 14 months, something like that. 13 and a half, something. <laughs> and we are... Um, born in 82 and then he was born in 83 so anyway um uh suicide awareness month september um and uh i'm so glad that she came on that was amazing so i just want to say if if you're contemplating suicide from the family perspective she had such amazing points and such good advice and just everything she's doing like I said I'm like super impressed it's amazing but I want to say from a family perspective and what she said as well somebody loves you somebody loves you you've touched somebody's life in a positive way somebody is going to be I'm going to say lost without you, but not lost, but you know what I'm saying? It's going to be hard. And I'm taking care of people when I worked in the ICU and I literally have sat down on their bed. This was before COVID everybody, <laughs> but I've sat on their bed and I've talked to them and I treat them like a person because everybody's a person. Everybody deserves to be heard. And I talk, I literally mean what I say. This was years ago, way before I've ever wanted to do a podcast, way before I even knew what a podcast was. I think this was in 2015 or 16, something like that. So I would sit down and talk to, I think it was 2016, and I would talk to the patients that attempted suicide or overdosed or whatever. And I would ask them their story. What's going on in your life? You know, do you have family? Do you have kids? Do you have a relationship with your parents? What's going on? And I would talk to them as you should, as the person. I would listen to them. And I would tell them that they're loved and they're important. And I meant it. And so in the hustle bustle of the job, though, sometimes it could be very stressful and very frustrating. Okay. And we might not always come off 
as caring as we should, I'll say, in the medical field. And I'm not making an excuse for it because I'm not. But some of the nurses were flat out just horrible. And would say really mean things. And it would make me sad. Sometimes I would say something and I'd be like, hey, knock it off. But it was they wouldn't hurt them or anything. But just, and then lots of the time the patient couldn't hear them, thank goodness. But it was just the fact of don't, don't do that. Don't talk about people like that because you never know. You never know. If you were in that situation, how would you react? That's what we talked about, Lady J and I. You never know what in the world you would do in that situation until you've gone through it, right? Nobody can say if A, B, and C happens, I'm going to do this and then exactly do, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you can say that. I don't know. But if I'm driving down the highway, and I don't wish this, um, speak this into existence. If I'm driving down the highway and a big metal thing comes, how do I know how to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how my body's going to go and just go into that that mode. I don't know. I could say this is what I would want to do, but, and I'm, I hope that does not happen. I'm not wishing that on me. But anyway, so I just want to say that as a family member and his daughter has no living parents uh, since she was seven and seeing her, and to be honest, I'm not doing everything I should do. I try to reach out to her, her birthday soon. She turns 16. I love you, Jayla. You should not listen to this show because some of the stuff is not for children. But I'm I'm so proud of the young lady that she is. And she's raised by her grandmother, her mother's mother. She has custody of her. And so, and she did when the parents passed away. So it's not like she didn't have anyone, but it's still her parents, right? And so um, her mom didn't pass away in that way, though. She did not commit suicide. I don't want people to think I'm saying that because I'm not. But the point is, like, I see what my niece has gone through, my mother, who was physically there, me, it's not about me, but I heard it. Um, I literally was going to quit school. I shut down. I'm very extroverted, but I didn't want to talk to people anymore. I just, like, and still to this day, I, I'm not 100% how I used to be, but Everything happens for a reason, you know, so those things have taught me a lot and hopefully I can help people just like Lady J. And I just want you to know that, especially if you have children, like she said, I'm so thankful that she was spared and that her life was spared and that her children didn't have to go through that about not having their mother and then children she had afterwards, right? They wouldn't have existed. So, and she wouldn't be helping everybody that she's helping. So you're the, so the pain is temporary, but suicide is permanent. You cannot take that back. You can't go backwards. You can't undo it. So I just want you to know that, like we said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Everything's going to get better. She said it more eloquently than I did. Her words are amazing. Beautiful. Um, and just the way that she said everything, I was like, that is, 
awesome. <laughs> I wish I could come up with stuff like that. Uh, so it's just, it's necessary for you to hear this. If you're in that space, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You're going to get through it. You can make it through. Anything is possible. Like she said, from her perspective of, of you know, attempting suicide several times, she said you got to put in the work. But once you know that you're worth it because you are, you're loved, you're beautiful, you're strong, you're awesome, you're all those things. Once you know that you are worth living for, like you yourself are, you're worth it. You are important. Once you know those things and you realize them, then it will change your, the way you see things, right? When, just like she said, all of her advice was amazing. Once you see and realize that the outside stuff that people are feeding you is not the truth, that's not you, and who knows you more better than you? You can fix those things. You can not be like, you know, I'm a bigger person. I don't have to be a bigger person for goodness sake. I can lose weight. There's some things I can't change. My eye color. I guess I could put contacts. I don't do that. You know, there's some things I can't change, but I can change my weight. I can change those things. I can change my hairstyle. I can change the hair color. So you're not the things that people say, right? You can fix yourself because you're important. You got to know that you're important, okay? And that you're loved. Please, please, please email me. If you ever want to talk, I check my emails. Authentic point of view at gmail.com. Email me. I'll talk to you. Please Message me on Facebook. Message me on Instagram. I have a Twitter now. I think it's Authentic Point 22 or something. Authentic Points 2 on Twitter. I need to check because it's, it's a new account. But Authentic Points of View podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Message me. Okay. Join the group. Follow me. That would be great. Um, if you like this show, word of mouth. Tell someone, please spread the word and let's help as many people as we can in every country, all over, right? Everybody, everybody is going through something right now. And I just want to say this, if you listen to this whole episode and listen to me ramble, thank you. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I want to say I apologize to the old producers because I did not realize after months or like a month, I don't know how long it's been, but I didn't realize that I actually had access in a deep file that I just found today uh, to the the intro and the outro. So I'm going to add those back on. So I apologize. I thought I didn't have access to them. I couldn't find them in our shared drive thing, but I do. So I'm sorry about that. Now I will add it to future ones. And I also want to say um, that I realized the other day which is sad that I don't realize it because if I, if you don't watch the news and you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world, we, we should, and I'm really guilty of it. I have a lot going on. I'm very busy. I don't even watch very much TV. And so, um, we had a doctor 
well, we have a doctor <laughs> at our job who is an anesthesiologist. And she, her name's cool. And I thought she was like kind of German, you know, and I lived in Germany. I love German anything. And so I asked her where she was from. And she said Ukraine. And without thinking, without thinking, I said, cool. Because that's cool that she's from a different country. Not even thinking about everything they're going on right now. What's going on in Ukraine. She said, it's not cool. And she started telling me the things that she's going through. And her family. And she has 18 family members there that she's helping take care of from the United States. And she can't go fly there and she can't help her. She can't go physically help her mother that just went through something. She can't, it, it's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. And she started crying at work and she said, I'm sorry. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I asked you that. And she said, no, thank you. And I hugged her. We hugged twice. And so people are looking at us like, what in the world? Like, why is this nurse hugging a doctor? This is weird. But I literally had to stand there and think, oh my gosh, am I that oblivious to the world? Like, did I not pay attention to where I'm just like skating along and just like in our privilege that we're going through and, and I'm just like, oh, you know, nobody's going through anything. That's not me. I never would be like that, but that's exactly what I seemed like. And I felt horrible for it. I felt horrible. Absolutely sad and horrible that I didn't think of the response before I gave the response. And the fact that we talked for like three, four minutes and maybe a little bit longer, I was very, I asked her questions. I, I listened and I was very concerned and, and caring and, and, but still my response was that cool. What? Why would I say cool? It was just something like, oh, you're from a different country. Okay, cool. Like I say cool too much. And that was not the best response. So what I'm saying is what I say, you never know what people are going through, right? She smiles all the time. She smiles all the time. And on the inside, she's going through so much on the outside of that job. She's going through so much. And I never would have guessed that she was going through that. All the things that she's doing and her family not being able to work, not having anything anymore. She can't even go over there and physically help them. They can't even come here. I can't imagine going through that. That is, it's so much. And I just literally got put in my place and was like, what if I was going through that? You know, how would I respond? So I'm just... I just want you to realize that, that, you know, other people in life are going through so many things. And like I say, just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Treat people with kindness. Be there for them. Smile genuinely. Hold open a door. Be a good person. That's what we can be, right? I never would have known that Lady J went through all that stuff. Nope. Just like she said. The whole entire interview, she smiled. That's really hard because I, <laughs> I can't keep a smile the whole time because you're talking. But she smiled the whole time. She's beautiful. She is smiling. She has a light about her. Energy is positive, And that's amazing. 
but you never would have guessed that she went through that. If I ever share my story about my brother, and I've been through a lot more things, uh, but if I ever shared that story, people go, oh my goodness, I didn't know you went through that. Nope. We don't wear it on our sleeve. When we go through trauma, when everybody's gone through trauma, we've all been through something, but when we go through trauma, we don't wear it on our forehead and say, um, unfortunately her a rape survivor or whatever, or all those things that she's been through. No, those things are not on you because that's not who you are. Those are the things that you got through. And then her little saying at the end, amazing, beautiful, amazing. So smart. She's such a good writer. She's so genuine. She's so awesome. But that's the thing. We are not those things. Those things are not, are not us. Our character, our personality, the things we do, how we respond to things. Those are more us, but so I just want you to know that you're not alone, that you're loved. Okay. No matter what you're going through, if you're in a domestic abuse situation right now, you can get through it. I had to go to a shelter and guess what guys? I went back to the same guy. True story. Went back, went back. But after that, I've never been in a physically abusive relationship after that. I've been in a mentally one after that, but not physical. So you don't want the physical abuse to get to the point where it's taking your life. You don't want that, right? I'm sure nobody would want that. So please know, again, in that situation, you are important. You are loved. That person that's telling you like, oh, I hate you because I love you. That's what I was told. What? No. That's not how it works. So that's not true. You don't believe those things. When somebody is feeding you negative, 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 that's manipulation. That's them. Lots of people that abuse people are narcissistic. They're trying to get in your head so they can have control over you. Do not let them control you. As soon as you break those chains, which is a beautiful gospel song, as soon as you break those chains and don't let them control you, guess what? You are winning. You need to get away. Get away. That's the only way that you can mentally become yourself again. I don't say the only way, but in my instance, you know, you're, you're worth it. You are worth it. And even if you have kids with the person, you can do it on your own. I left the state two times, two different states, moved away with children by myself. You can do it. You can do it. Believe me, you can do it. You're worth it. You are loved. You are amazing. You are strong. You might not feel that right now. You might not know that right now, but you need to know it, okay? You can do this. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. All right, guys. Love you so much. And I will talk to you next Wednesday. Please be kind. Please help someone. If you know someone that's in a domestic situation, please help them. Even if you just listen to them, even if you just be there for them, please. Or if you know somebody that wants to attempt suicide, there's a suicide hotline. Um, listen to them. Don't brush it off. Don't say like, oh no, you're fine. You're fine. No. Because to them, they're not fine. In that situation, they are not fine. They don't, that, that's not how it's computing, right? You can't just say, you're okay, just like an alcoholic. Oh, you're fine, stop drinking. 
you don't know what they're going through in their mind, right? So you can't brush those things off and make it feel like it's not important because that's what it feels like to them from what I've been told. So you, you don't, that's not helping, right? We want to help. So like I said, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being awesome, 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 awesome listener. And I really appreciate you. And I will talk to you again next Wednesday. We will be live, uh, not live, but video, hopefully October the 5th. That is the goal. We will be on video October the 5th. So you should be able to find it on YouTube and everything else. I will update you if that does not happen. If you follow me on social media, then you can follow and see what's going on. And that would kind of give you an inclination of what's, you know, updates. And then when we do go live and do episodes, it will be posting and alive and you guys can interactively talk to me and all that stuff. And that would be so fun. So I appreciate you and have a fantastic week. Thank you again. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart. listening to authentic points of view podcast i hope that something you heard today changes your point of view if you would like to share your views please email me at authentic points of view at gmail.com or leave a comment on facebook at authentic points of view podcast remember always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart